Hey, LifePoint Church, how y'all doing today? Come on now, it's Sunday, beautiful day out, such a great, great day to be together, and thank you for joining us. Hey, if this is your first time, like Pastor Jordan and Aaron said, we want to welcome you especially, and those who are joining us online, wherever you're watching in the world, we're so grateful to be one church in a lot of places. If you would do me a favor, uh, if you're new with us today, there's a connection card in the seat back in front of you, and you can drop that to one of our hosts on the way out of the building, or... If you would just take your uh, smartphone and text the letters LPC to the number 31996, and that'll be a simple connection card uh, for you, and we'll send you a, a link with easy next steps of how to get connected here. We think this church, everybody has some room to grow and some next steps to take, and so whether that's get on the dream team, go through our membership class, we call it our next steps class, or get into a small group, which is the best thing that we do here. Come on, everybody. Everybody's got room to grow. The woo-woos were from people in small groups. The silence was from the rest of you. <laughs> I want to encourage all of you to get into a small group. In fact, we are launching, I think in the next two weeks, we are launching what I consider the Cadillac curriculum of small groups. It is our rooted curriculum, and uh, we are relaunching that mo much more regularly now. Uh, every couple months, we're starting that again and again. But listen, you got to get connected to a group here. Get on our website and find the group that's right for you. If you've never been to a small group, Go through our rooted class. It is fantastic. Um, hey, also, uh, next month, so we're talking about May now. Can you believe we're nine months away from Christmas, everybody? <laughs> right? Yeah, I gave some of y'all a little panic attack right there. I would encourage you to get your budget right. Hey, um, no, but next month in May, we celebrate a lot. Mother's Day, Memorial's Day is coming up. But also, we are moving our service times to accommodate for growth again. We're in a growing season, and a lot of folks are coming back after the year uh, that we've had. A lot of folks looked at Easter as their comeback Sunday, and so we're making room for people to grow, to come, and actually this service in particular, we're going to ask you to take a big step for us. So we're moving right now, we're at 8, 9, 45, and 11, 30, and we're going to shift forward our 8 o'clock to 7, 30 in the morning. I don't know why y'all even care. I'm the one preaching, and y'all ain't even going to be here. <laughs> Y'all are like, ooh, that's super early. Not for y'all, it ain't. <laughs> 9, 10.30, and that really is to bust up that 9.45, which has 200 people in the lobby sometimes. Uh, and then we're going to have, we're praying about, and really they're waiting on my decision. I've been praying about it for the last couple weeks, and I just need to decide. But we're going to add probably a fourth service back, and it will be at noon start time. So what that would mean for you guys is we no longer have an 11:30 service, but would you either move later half an hour to start at noon, which is the easiest solution? Just sleep in a little longer. Come on, everybody likes a little bit more sleep, so you can sleep in till noon, and it'll still be we're, we're getting down to a 60-minute service, or you can come earlier at 10:30. So that would be an hour earlier or 30 minutes later. I'll leave it up to you to pray about and decide. But no matter what, in May, May first Sunday of May, we will have. For sure, three new service times, 7.30, 9, and 10.30. And if we don't add the fourth service, that means you'll come an hour earlier. <laughs> How many of y'all want that fourth service now? Yeah, that's what I figured. But it'd be noon to one and you'd be gone and you can serve at the 10.30 service. Come on, we believe in serving one and sitting one. We're not building a church for consumers. We're building, we are leading people to be devoted to Jesus, which means you got to serve somebody too. So get off your feet. Get off your seat. Get on your feet. All right, we're in the book of Acts. Um, service times are changing. You just need to know that. I'm trying to give you a lot of lead time here so that you don't show up uh, late or early in a month and go, what happened? Because I told you. I have told you now. Uh, last Sunday, we started on Easter Sunday, Acts chapter 1. And we saw where Jesus tells the disciples, he says, wait in Jerusalem on the promise of the Father. And that promise all the way from Genesis 3 was that the Spirit of God is going to take up residence on the inside of us. The Christian life is a life with the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Amen, everyone. And so we see this promise thread throughout Scripture. And then we continue in Acts chapter 1. And I'm actually going to preach this more in depth next week. But we see the very next passage. They come together and they're talking to the Lord and they have this interchange with him. And in verse 8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So two things in that passage, verse 8. One is the promise that you're going to receive the power of God that comes with the Spirit of God. Come on, everybody. It's great to know that we have his power to live a godly life and to promote, second, his assignment 
is to be a witness of Jesus, not only in Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In our context, we would say in our neighborhood, in our town, Clarksville, Judea, Samaria would be like our region, like the state of Tennessee or the SEC, come on, best part of America, and to the ends of the earth, ultimately around the world. Uh, Listen, we are promised the power of God and we're given an assignment from God. That is not just for the 12 disciples. That's for every Christian who says yes to Jesus Christ. You have full access to the power of God and you also have full assignment from the heart of God to reach people far from Jesus. Well, today I'm actually not preaching the message. I wanted to bring a friend who honestly is one of the most inspirational men I know alive today. How many of you, uh, if, whatever your career field is, when they bring in like a, a, a leader who's done it for decades, maybe you're in the military and they bring in a retired four-star to come and do a session or you've got a, you're an entrepreneur and they bring in, you know, the Bill Gates of the world to talk about that field, they, you, you lean in and you learn from the great generals, right, everybody? Does anybody know the words I'm using right now to form sentences? Like, you understand? Okay, I'm just seeing if you're talkative today. I think one of the generals of the faith, like when Jesus said to go reach the ends of the earth with the gospel, I brought in a guy today uh, who I think is one of those men. In fact, I think heaven, when we, we're going to get to heaven one day and we're going to see it populated with literally hundreds of thousands of people that are there because of the ministry of this one guy. And you know, if you've been here long at all, I, I protect this pulpit very strongly Uh, I don't let just anybody who has a word come up here and share it. I I make sure that anyone that comes here is going to build our church and make it better. And guys, I just want you to know the work of the ministry that Jesus said in Acts 1-8 is happening, and you're going to hear about that today. He's one of the generals of the faith. He's been doing ministry since before many of your parents were even born. I want you to do me a favor. If you would even watch him, would you stand to your feet? Give it up for my good friend, Pastor Sam Johnson. Come on, everybody. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you very much for giving me this great honor and privilege to be here together with you this morning, to be a friend of Mike and Stephanie Burnett. One of the great honors of my life to have become their friend and as they've supported what we do to become better friends. And I had the happy privilege this morning to be the very first one in this pulpit to announce that Dr. Burnett last week defended his thesis, and he is now official Dr. Michael Burnett. Come on, stand, folks. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Dr. Michael Burnett. I cannot, I just, I can't grasp it, ladies and gentlemen. I can't really, this is, I passed a test once. But it was just, you know, to, to have gone all of this and all that's involved, and now it's all done, and uh, it's just a great honor for this church to have a man that's this astute, this smart, this intelligent, this godly, and this spiritual to be your pastor. You are so fortunate. You are so fortunate. And Joyce and I are so blessed to have become their friends and now a friend of you. Thank you for letting me come this morning. I love the third service because there's no ending. <laughs> Just thought I'd let mention that. Because see, there's right down here is a clock that governs my life for the next 34 minutes. But from now on, the clock has no meaning. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. What a great crowd. Wow. We're here this morning because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but God sent his son to save us from our sin. I'm not sure exactly how it all happened because the scripture's not real clear But is it possible that God the Father called God the Son into the office and said, Jesus, I want you to go down to the earth and become the Savior of the world? We pick up the story in Bethlehem. Jesus is born of a virgin. Joseph takes her to be his wife. 
And for the next 30 years, they live in Nazareth with the family where Joseph, the master carpenter, is building condominiums and strip malls and apartment buildings. <laughs> and in that environment, Jesus Christ matured and Jesus Christ grew up. And at the age of 30, Jesus, the Son of God, began his strategy, put into place the strategy that he and the Father had to tell the world that Jesus has come to be the Savior. Now, you have to understand, there were no iPhones, Samsung phones burning up. There were no jet planes, just a donkey and a camel. Just a, and, and Jesus has come to be the Savior of the world. Hello, here I am. How, what did he do? He called to himself 12 disciples. These were not, these were not great giants. These were, one or two of mine, been, but they was, one was a fisherman. They came from a various strategy, strata of life. They came to follow Jesus. And they listened to him as he called them. And he explained to them that he'd come to be the savior of the world. They didn't understand that completely. Because they lived under the Roman rule. The Roman rule was so cruel, as cruel as ISIS is today. Chop a man's head off without any cause. And they were, they were trembling. They were fearful. And they hoped that Jesus would become the next ruler of the world. And they could become a member of his cabinet. You could see John the Baptist, who's going to be the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of State. And then there was Peter, Secretary of Defense, no doubt. I love it. He could take a sword and cut a man's ear off without shaving. It was just up. He was, he was. And, and so all of these guys were jockeying for positions. But Jesus, in the three years that he taught them, from the prophets, he taught them from the miraculous, he taught them how to walk on water. Some of them were not very successful. But he taught them all of these things in three years' time. They did not fully grasp that, but he knew why. He knew why he had come. He did not come to be the ruler of the world. He came to be your savior, sir. He came to die on the cross to save you and me from our sins. And that's why he came. And he knew that. He allowed them, even though one of the men sold him for a bag of silver. The others deserted him. Peter said, never heard of him. Three times he denied Jesus. No, who? No, no, no. Three times. But Jesus knew why he had come. That's why he allowed his captors to take him. Dorm tormentors they were, and they beat him like a piece of beef. And they planted a crown of thorns on his brow, and they hung him between two thieves. What's worse than that? Two thieves, they hung him there on the cross of Calvary. And there he died. But, sir, before he died, he said these magnificent words. It is finished. I have paid it all. Hallelujah. And I've got good news this morning for Clarksville and for Tennessee and for the world. Our sins have been forgiven. It's not by penance. It's not by crawling before some kind of a statue. It's by accepting Jesus as our Savior. Hallelujah. Peter, who loved Jesus, he adored Jesus. He listened to Jesus' teaching. But then in the final moments, he betrayed him. Now, I've deserted my dear friend. Where did they put him? And on the third morning, on the resurrection day, he went looking for Jesus. Where did they put his body? And when he approached the resurrection tomb, they found Jesus sitting outside of the tomb. Wow! Their eyes fastened on each other. And Peter's, Jesus said to Peter, go and tell the others I'm alive. I got a message for them. Peter knew where they were. He ran and he found the others, the ten. And he said, look, I just talked to Jesus. He wants to meet with us. Peter, please don't do that to us. Peter, please, come on. We were with him for three years. It was a wonderful trip, but it's all over. It's gone. They put him on a cross. We saw him. You saw him. It's too late. No, 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 no. I talked to him this morning. He's alive. He's alive. Come with me. And they went and they met with Jesus. And this is what Jesus said to them. Listen, I've got to go to the Father. I'm going to tell him everything that's happened, but I want you to go to Jerusalem. You'll find out more about it next week when Dr. Burnett shares it with you. I want you to go to Jerusalem next, I want you, not next week, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait for the promise of the Father because God the Father is going to give you a supernatural gift and you are going to do greater things that I have done. You've got to go now. But before they left, 
He was caught up from among them. He disappeared in the air. And the angels came and they said, this same Jesus that you see leaving is coming back. And I have more good news for you. He is coming back. He's coming back this time as the ruler of the world. Hallelujah. You and I will rule and reign with him. On, on, on the way to Jerusalem, they became evangelists. They started out 11, now there's 120. Wow, that's great church growth. They got there, they didn't know where they went. So I think somebody must have rented a second floor apartment. We call it the upper room. Think about it. Nobody had gone, hey, scout, go ahead and get me out. No, 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 no. So they, they gathered together, they took care of some church business, and then they began to wait. And they waited for a day, and they prayed. And they waited for two days, and they're praying. And they waited for three days and four days. Somebody got a guitar, and they began to sing. Five days, six days. Oh, God, whatever you have in mind, the organ kicks in. Seventh day, eighth day, tenth day, the tenth day. They're sitting like you're sitting this morning. And on the tenth day, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit swept across that room and impregnated all of them with the power of the Holy Ghost. As an expression of this, they begin to speak in a language they had never learned before. We call it speaking in other tongues. And it was feast time in Jerusalem. People gathered in from the surrounding area and they heard these disciples speaking in their own languages. They said, well, this can't be. Those people never learned my language. And Peter, Peter, the dude, the guy who had failed Jesus, Peter, now Peter, the transformed Peter, Peter, the one full of the Holy Ghost, Peter, who is overflowing with the power of God. Peter stood up and he began to speak and he said, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And he began to preach, being a Pentecostal preacher. Now he he preached and he preached and he preached and he, you know what I'm talking about he just preached and he preached and when he finished preaching 3,000 gave their hearts to Jesus Christ hallelujah if you'll come with me sir and bring along your wife I'll take you I'll, I'll tell you what I'll rent a whole fleet of jets and I'll fly you first class around the world and I'll show you two billion people who call Jesus Christ their savior how is that possible what was the model that Jesus used? He called to himself 12 disciples. He formed the first Bible school. They had a three-year curriculum, no campus. Wherever Jesus went, they taught him. But therein lies the key to what we are doing around the world today. Doing as Jesus did. When I was a boy growing up in my father's church in North Dakota... Missionaries would come. Missionaries used to travel by cars in those days. They didn't, when there were no airplane, basically. But they traveled by, and they had, they had trunk loads, trunk loads of curios. They'd put them all over the platform. And I'd go up after the service, and you touch, and you look at all these skulls, the fruit of their labor, and all kinds of things. Wow, look at all of this. But out of that, God called me as a boy to be a missionary, to touch the world that was lost without Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ died for the whole world. And I surrendered my life to him. I pursued, I pursued it in college. In college, I found a beautiful young lady dressed in a yellow coat with blue eyes. And 60 years ago, I married her. You look at me this morning, you say, you say, 60 years, how can this be? Look at this guy. The answer is oil of Olay, ladies and gentlemen. Get it, get it on, get it on. Joyce and I served churches in Iowa and Kansas in 1966. We felt the call of God. Now's the time. Now's the time. So our leader said, would you please consider going to Spain? Yes. So we, we studied about Spain. There was no religious freedom. They wanted me to go where I couldn't do anything. But the, I, I, I started to go to Spain. Spain, we forget. But in Spain in 1966, was run by a dictator. His name was General Franco. He came to power in 1936-39. There was a civil war in Spain. Claimed a million lives. He came and clamped total control. And if you were an evangelical believer, you had no rights. And that's where my people wanted me to go. They thought so much of me. So I began to pray about this. 
And God took me back to the scriptures. And I was on my knees in my bedroom. And I said, God, I'll go where they want me to go. But I need your help. And he took me to, he took me to the Old Testament. And, and, and it says, Moses is dead. It's, there's a certain finality to that. Moses is dead. Now, Joshua, I want you to cross the River Jordan. I want you to march around the walls of Jericho. And I want you. And I said, God, I'll go where they want me to go. If you will go with me, I need the same God that Joshua had, who marched around the walls. The walls came tumbling down, and they claimed the land for themselves. I'll go, but I need a giant killer. And he said, With me, all things are possible to him that believeth. I said, Hallelujah! I've got the answer. So Joyce and I started for Spain and we knew getting there that what we needed to do there was only five underground churches the answer for me was not to start six or seven eight but could I find one two three or four or five and start a Bible school and that's what we did we had a little farm that was given to us in southern Spain, and we turned the chicken shed into a, and the, pow, and the cow barn into, and, and the pig pens where the professors met. And so we, we, we changed all that, transformed it, and we had a Bible school. And today, if you come with me to Spain, ladies and gentlemen, I will show you hundreds of places of Pentecostal worship. Possible because we took the model that Jesus took, and we developed the leaders. So, so while I'm in Spain, I received a call. Could you please come on over to Portugal? Now, Portugal and Spain make up the Iberian Peninsula, which comes off of France. Portugal's a little country, about nine, ten million people today. And they said, could you please come on over and minister to us? Yes. So I went over because they'd never had a missionary like me. And so I went over and, and, and I met with them. And, and this is what I found out. I found out that the Lisbon Portugal Church had thousands of believers and in 60 congregations and three full-time pastors. These guys were going Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. Fourth service for sure. They were going and going and going and going and going. And so they I said, I said, what? This is, this is, this is. So I was back in Spain and I'm praying about this. Oh God. These people over there, they need workers in their churches. God said, yes, what they need is a Bible training center. Oh, I said, wow. So I went back and I talked to the National Brethren, and I said, I got a great idea. You need to have a Bible school. Start a Bible school. Bring the finest, the brightest, teach them, and, and fill your empty pulpits. Oh, they said, that's a brilliant idea. Yes, and we want you to come and direct it for us. Well, I know, I know, no. Oh, I, I just know. One day God said, oh. one day God said, I want you to go. I want you to go. We went to Spain with one boy. Now we had three boys. Must have been the water. And so, so I scooped up the kids. Joyce and I came to America. And I found a mobile home where Joyce and the kids could live. And everybody needs to live in a mobile home. One time. I kissed him goodbye, and I said, I'm going to go across America, and we're going to tell people we're going to build a Bible school in Portugal. God gave me a special verse at that time, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence we hoped for a Bible school. So I traveled across America. I slept in my own bed 60 nights out of a year and a half. I traveled, traveled north and south, east and west, traveled, traveled. I would talk to people at breakfast. I'd talk to people at lunch. I'd talk to people in church. I'd talk to people. I talked and talked. And we're going to go to Portugal. Could you help us? Could you help us? And they helped me. And a year and a half later, I picked up the kids and Joyce, and we flew off to Portugal. The day after I arrived, I'm walking all over 30 acres of land on the edge of the city of Lisbon that they had been waiting for us to come and purchase because they knew I was coming with a bag full of money. So we were able to purchase that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, now, hang on, hang on, because James teaches us that faith without works is dead. You can't just believe. You've got to work at it. You've got to get, you get out there and you got to. And so we worked and we worked for nine years. I never stopped building. I built dormitories and classrooms and dining halls. They love to eat. I built a chapel for 1,500. I built, I built, I built, I built. And now I want you to see the evidence of what God helped us to build in Portugal. 
Hallelujah. A phenomenal Bible college for 325 students. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is that today in Portugal, 45 years later, the Pentecostal church is the largest evangelical body of believers. How can that be possible? Because we took the model that Jesus gave us and we are doing it around the world. Now in over 50 countries. So in the last hour and a half that I have with you, please... Fasten your seatbelt. I want to take you a couple places with me. Okay? Communism fell in 1989. We received an invitation. Could you please come to Romania? Yes. I'd been to Romania during the days of communism, but now freedom had come. Ceausescu, the most brutal of all dictators since Hitler, was nabbed. He and his wife on Christmas Day public television in Romania. They put a pistol to his head and they pulled the trigger and blew his brains out. After that, they outlawed capital punishment. He left behind the country in ruins, devastated. And I got there and they said, we believe that the answer is to build a Bible school, a training center. I said, good. So we were able to buy a commie building just, just a commie building, just, just a big old ugly, just a big, it was just ugly. And, and, and because, but faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence. God doesn't always give you the finished product just because you believe. No, 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 no. You have to work at it and you have to believe it and never stop believing. And God will always give you the evidence. Now take a look at the evidence that God gave to us in, in Romania. There it is, a fantastic Bible school campus. But the great thing is that today there are thousands of Pentecostal churches for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ telling the people, Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. And so God took us from Romania, took us to the Republic of Georgia. There we built the Bible school. We bought another commie building, not as, ex not as exciting as the first one, but on the ground floor is a building, is a room that we now have finished and accommodated for a thousand people. You see the finished product. That's the evidence. That's the evidence in the Republic of Georgia, just south of Russia. And then from there to Albania, Albania, 1989 in Albania, you couldn't go into Albania and they couldn't come out. Albania was a country like North Korea is today, closed. But then communism began to crumble and they nabbed the dictator, put him in jail and liberty and freedom came and we were able to buy land and we built this incredible building, this incredible Bible school in Albania and today there are hundreds of places of Pentecostal worship in a Muslim country that never knew anything about Jesus Christ. For the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Russia, the same thing. We helped to build Bible schools in Poland and Belarus and Russia and Uzbekistan and Tajikistan and all across the, the, the Eastern Europe. And then one day, one day I was very privileged to attend a marvelous supper. And I'm at the supper. It's the last of several days we were together. And sitting beside me was the great matriarch, Hulda Buntain. Hulda and Mark Buntain, 60 years ago, went to Calcutta, India as missionaries. They found a city, 18 million people, incredibly poor, devastated, and their hearts were broken, and they began to feed the people. From that time until today, they feed 10,000 every day. They built a hospital for seven stories. They started a school, 10 schools, 100 schools, two schools, 100 churches to 200 churches. They built, they built, they gave, they gave. But Mark Buntain, the great champion, could not live forever, and one day his heart gave out, and he collapsed and died. At the funeral, thousands were there. And after it was all over, Hulda Buntain, the widow, went up into the office and she found on his desk the plans that had just been approved by the city of Calcutta to build the new church. Now, you have to understand, at that time in Calcutta, women had no rights, especially women of pastors, none, none. No, no, there were no Stephanies. <laughs> if they had ever seen one that pretty, they would have a Stephanie. <laughs> you know, I read, that, I read that David anointed was anointed three times with oil. 
Sometimes you have to anoint yourself. I've discovered that in my ministry. Sometimes you know, I just take God. And so Hulda Buntain, the woman, she anointed herself. And she said, I am the pastor. And she built a seven-story church for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the basement, she started an, a Bible school. Now, she's got 150 students and the Bible school. She can't go out because of the walls. It's in the basement. She can't go up because of the ceiling. It's in the basement. And so we're sitting at supper, and she said, she reached over and took me by the hand, she, arm. She said, you don't love me anymore. It was a, like a dagger to my heart. I said, how could you say I don't love you? Of course I love you. Everybody loves you. We adore you. Are you kidding? Hell, no, no, no. She said, you have never been to India. Well, I said, you're right, I never have. She said, yeah, but there's only one of you. My mother discovered that. I said, what are you talking about? She said, I have a Bible school that needs help. Come. So I said, all right, as soon as I can, I'll go. And I went to Calcutta, India. And when I got there, this is what I found. They took me to the edge of the city. And they, they showed me this incredible three-story building. And it said in the front, it was a boy's home. Well, I said, wow, how many boys do you have in this three-story building? They said, 25. I said, what a terrible waste of space. This should be the Bible school. Oh, oh, no, we can't use it because it was given for a boy's home. I said, look, I know those people who gave you that money. Let me go back to America and talk to them and see if we can talk some sense to them and we can use it for the Bible school. They said, go ahead. So I came back to the States and I had a phone call. I said, could you please give that to us for our Bible school? We'll build the boys' home that will be appropriate, but we need to have that. Oh, they said, yeah, that's a great idea. Go ahead. And they gave it to us for the, for, so I said, wow. So I went back. We put a fourth floor on that building and there you see it. It's a beautiful building. Now it's full of boys. It's full of, it's full of academic center. It's, it's got all the libraries, got all the classrooms, administrations, everything. I said, I'll see you later. Bye-bye. They said, not so fast. I said, what are you talking about? They said, no, 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 no. We have to have a separate building for the women. We can't have the women in this building. I said, well, that's interesting because eventually they're going to get together. <laughs> Think about it. They said, we need a women's dormitory. I said, okay. So I came to America, shared with people, we need a women's dormitory. People like you responded, and we went back and we started to build. And we built a women's dormitory that would help to accommodate the growth of the Bible school. Anticipated, and now you see the picture of the evidence. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now look with me down the alley. Look with me down the alley. You see the, you see the administration building on the left, the women's dorm on the, on the right, and at the very end is the men's is, 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 the, is the little, the building for the boys. Oh, I'm so proud that we were faithful. And so it's all there. Now it's the largest Bible college for all of North India, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. How is that possible? Possible because people like you helped to make it possible. So God gave us favor. Last month, last year, this is April, March of last year, I was in Nepal, Kathmandu, and we had been working for years, and we finally finished building the women's dormitory, seven stories. There you see it on the screen this morning, a beautiful women's dormitory, and you see the women who habitate that fabulous facility with, our, with increased facilities for the, for, the, uh, for, the, uh, for the library and the classrooms, and just a fantastic place in Kathmandu, Nepal, where 70 years ago there were zero Christians. Today in Nepal, there's one million believers. How is that possible? How is that possible? How is that possible? Possible because of trained leadership. So just before COVID's, set in and I had to sleep under the bed. I, I, I went on down, I went on down to Tanzania. Went on down to Tanzania and we had a wonderful event. God was so kind to me. I'm 
Joyce and I lived in Minneapolis for 10 years. And I'm there one day minding my own business. And the phone rang. And the man on the other end of the line said, my name is Barnabas. Oh, I said, Barnabas. I've never met a Barnabas. Think about it. How many Barnabases have you met? <laughs> no. I said, Barnabas. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm, he said, no, 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 no. He said, I am Dr. Barnabas Mokambali, the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God of Tanzania. Oh, I said, that Barnabas. Wow. <laughs> I said, he said, I heard about you. I said, yes, so did a lot of people. He said, I heard about you. And he said, I heard that you helped build Bible schools. I said, I've done that a couple of times. He said, could I come and see you? I said, come along. He came to Minneapolis. I bought him a motel room. We went to supper. He never touched the food for three hours. And this is what he told me. He said, we have just embarked on a plan. In Tanzania, a country of 50 million people, East Africa, just below Kenya, we've embarked on a plan to start 10,000 new churches in 10 years. Let me try it on this side. 10,000 new churches in 10 years. It has never been done, never been done before, never. 10,000 churches in 10 years. I said, Dr. Barnabas, how are you going to do that? He said, no, 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 no. It's how you and I are going to do it. So I took the bait. I said, well, okay, what do you have in mind? He said, come with me. I flew to Tanzania, and this is what I found on a 25-acre campus, a dormitory that was started in 2007. 2007, 2008, for some of you who remember, were not good economic years in America. And the church that started that never got back, never had any money. And it stood there until I arrived. And when I saw that, that's going to be a men's dormitory. I said, devil, get out of my way. Get behind me. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Greater things than these you have seen. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Watch out, watch out. And we went to work and take a look at the evidence that God has helped us to do in the country of Tanzania. Hallelujah. A men's dormitory for 250. The plan is beginning to unfold. Praise God. So then they said to me, we need a chapel. I said, you got a chapel. They said, have you been in our chapel? I said, yes, I've been in your chapel. It's not very big. They said, you're right. It seats 200. You put 400 people in there. It's just not big enough. They said, we need a bigger chapel. I said, I think I can help you. So I can explain to you sincerely what happened, except that the, the chapel got on steroids. That's the only explanation I have because it began to grow. That steel was fabricated in Egypt, shipped up to the harbor, brought over in seven trucks, and they began to put up an auditorium that seats 5,000 people for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. If you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, don't hide, your, don't hide your light under a candle. Let's show the whole world Jesus Christ is the master of my life. Jesus Christ is in charge. And if we're going to... If we're going to do it, do it. We built an incredible auditorium. And I went up there the last night of the dedication, two years ago. And I shot a picture from the balcony, 5,000 people sitting in there. And you see all the white seats, white suits rather. Those are the people waiting to be ordained for the ministry. Praise God. So... They said, we need larger classrooms. God helped us to build, as you will see, the academic center. We dedicated it 13 months ago, just before COVID and going under the bed. 13 months ago, we built the academic center for 700 students. Then they said, we have one more request. I said, what is that? They said, please go and see Mike Burnett. I said, I've heard of him. They said he loves missions, and he loves Tanzania, and he's an accommodation, and he understands the value of training, and we need a seminary. 
I said, I will go and see Mike. And I came and I talked with Mike and Stephanie and I said, this is what we have just done. By faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We had a groundbreaking service for the new seminary. There it is. We stood out there and we held hands and we prayed that God would provide. And so by faith, we began to build. And in five months, ladies and gentlemen, your pastor and Mike Campbell, your missions pastor, will come and will dedicate the seminary that is becoming the largest seminary of its kind in all of the continent of Africa for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Hallelujah. Because you and I, you and I, you and I have captured, we have captured, we have captured, ladies and gentlemen, the answer. That's why we call this priority one. We have done it in over 50 countries around the world. There's one basic answer to all of this. There are a lot of ministries, a lot of valid ministries. You've got to dig wells, no doubt about it. You've got to help orphanages, yes. You've got to rescue people, yes. But basically, at the bottom of all of this, you have to have biblical training. Systematic. And so God has helped us to discover the secret. And so now... This will be the only English-speaking seminary offering a Ph.D. for the whole continent of Africa. And you have helped to make it possible. You have been giving month after month and now for a couple of years. You have been giving, sir. You didn't even know this. You knew that when you emptied your pockets and you left your pocket, you, know, you, you knew that it was going someplace good. And that's where it went. God bless you, man. This is, I'm here this morning to thank you, to thank all of you, to thank you, to thank you for what you have done and for what you're doing. Five continents, one priority, priority one. That's what we do. But I come to the end of the service. And it would be so wrong of me to come and share with you some of the things that we've done around the world and not to pause long enough and say, Sir, ma'am, how is it with your soul? Do you love Jesus? Does Jesus love you? Yes, he does. Have you let him come in? And I'm talking to some people this morning who want me to prolong the service for 30 seconds and pray a prayer with you that you would accept Jesus into your heart. It doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make him happy. If we do this in 50 countries of the world and not stop long enough and clear it and say, do you know Jesus as your Savior? If you are struggling this morning, you've never made peace with God, do it today. Let me pray with you. Everybody praying, please, bowing your heads in prayer. And if I'm talking to you, my friend, this morning, and you need to know Jesus as your personal Savior, let me encourage you to pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I am a sinner, and I know that you have come to be my Savior. So today, I accept you into my life. Wash, wash away my sins. Wash away my sins and write my name down in the big book because I believe you. And I have found you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we thank Pastor Sam Johnson? Come on, everybody. What an amazing word. Thank you, Pastor. So, uh, before you log off, and please don't leave the room, I just want to do some follow-up here. Uh, Pastor Sam, you have invested your life 
into the kingdom of heaven, man. I just wonder how many churches do you believe projection may have started from the people we've trained through these colleges and seminaries in 50, I don't know if y'all caught him say 50 countries. He's been doing this. It was, he, he, he gave you stories about five or six on five continents, 50 countries. How many churches do you think maybe we've started? Pastor Mike, I can't tell you that, but I can tell you that everyone that's found Jesus Christ is very happy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you think of a school that has 300 students a year graduating. Yeah, right. That's 300 churches that got planted. In right. Tanzania, their goal is 30,000 churches in the next 13 years to right. celebrate what? Right. The 2,000th anniversary of right. the resurrection right. of Jesus. Because they completed the 10,000 churches. Right. They completed that. Now they're taking a year off to assess. Now they're going after 30 churches. Yeah. And they said, Sam, you got to live another 15 years. So, <laughs> oh, wait, so tell us, how old are you? I'm 82 this summer. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, man. So let me... Um, do you play a lot of video games too? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. I mean, I'm sitting over here with Pastor Elmer and sitting by my wife going, what am I doing with my life? I'm serious. What am I doing with my life? And God, is it making an eternal difference? Yeah. Thank you yeah. on behalf of all of us. That I mean, we, I, I told you this on the phone this week. It's such an honor to get to participate for these last few years. Thank you. But you've been doing this since, since before my parents were alive. Wow. <laughs> we had a 96-year-old in our last service who, when I asked how old he was, oh, he's a young fella. <laughs> that makes you feel good, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, man, we, um, let, me, let me tell you, there's uh, the next 10 years, I've been pastoring here 11 years this summer, and I feel like the next 10 years, um, I'm trusting the Lord for some growth in some specific areas, and I'm rolling that out to our team here uh, next month. But one of the things I really am believing God for, and I just want you to hear me say it, um, we will become a missional church more than ever. Because we've been a mission-minded church, we've been a missions-giving church. Uh, we give 10% of the income of this church away. Last year we gave a million dollars for the first time ever to missions. Wow. And you were one of those partners. Yes, thank you. But I think over the next 10 years, we want to give our sons and daughters to missions as well. And, and I want us to pray collectively as a church. Maybe God's calling you to leave your career, to go somewhere around the world and build Bible colleges with Sam or go to Tanzania and help the training or whatever. I don't know what God's calling you to do. Your assignment was, it, it, it changed over the years as well. Right. But I would love to see this church sent to the mission field somehow. Amen. But we're going to continue to also give. Paul says, to Timothy, he says, command those who are rich in this present age, which is all of you, by the way. I mean, you've traveled the real world. Right. We're just 5% of the world right. in America. Right. You talk about poverty. Exactly. Uh, they estimate anyone whose household income is around 35000 or more, you're in the 1%, top 1% wage earners of the world. So rich right. people. He says, command those who are rich to do good, be rich in good works, to be willing to share at any opportunity. And we're a giving church. And so we, we give 10% of the income of this church away. You guys gave $700,000 million or $6 million last year. We gave a million dollars away wow, of that. Praise and God. so uh, every time money comes in, we give 10% away, and you're one of our partners. But I want to encourage you, and we've already had numerous gifts today. Uh, people gave online at the Priority One website. Somebody walked up to Sam today. Uh, I'm just going to say it. I won't say who. Somebody just gave him the old Pentecostal handshake. Do you all know what that is? It's with some money in the hand. It was a $10,000 check. And I want to say thank you. We're, we believe in tithing. We tithe to the local church. And then we give as the Lord directs beyond that. So maybe God would stir you to give to Priority One. I want to say you can designate that on a check. You can give it through LifePoint. And anything you give designated to Priority One, which we believe your tithe goes to your local church. And then you give offerings beyond that. If God has stirred you in that way, give it. My family, my wife and I have already planned a gift. We planned it a couple weeks ago that we're going to give to them as well today. Um, but we, we can't let you leave without a little something. And so uh, I have a giant check. That's how we roll because we do things big around here. And you can take this to any giant bank and they'll cash it for you. But on behalf of their giving, because you're a tithing church, we can do this. We want to give you at least 40 grand 
to walk away with. Come on, man. Hey, hey. <laughs> oh, man. Praise the Lord. So that's 50,000 already today, and uh, you're working on a, yeah, isn't that great? Thank you. Hey, LifePoint, thank you for your tithing. Praise the Lord. Now, you can fold that up and put it in your pocket. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I told him in the first service he was actually surprised. I said, act surprised every other service. Um, I've but, done very well. Yeah, I got a kiss just now. I don't know if y'all saw that. It's the first time ever in my life. But here's the deal. We, I really believe the next decade of our church, uh, I want to see heaven populated more. I don't want to just be a church of people growing in information and consuming. Please don't let me pastor that kind of a church. It'll bore me to death, and I'll start getting mad at you, frankly. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to start telling, like, go, do something with your life. Listen, Jesus did not give his life on the cross to just teach us stuff. You're going to see, the, you heard him talk about Pentecostal churches. Pentecostal churches are soul-winning churches. The, the harvest of Pentecost, the festival of Pentecost was the festival of harvest. And any church that cares about soul winning and winning people to the gospel, those are Pentecostal churches. And that's the kind of church we want to be that reaches people far from God, that plants churches all over this city, our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and America, and to the ends of the earth. We're going to train in these Bible colleges. We're going to start doing education more and more. We are going to be a church that makes an impact for the kingdom. And man, if this one guy can do that much, imagine what this one church can get to do, not just through dollars, but through our lives. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Sam, thank you. Thank you. Hey, do you feel inspired and encouraged today? Did I not tell you, like, we preserve this pulpit for people that will build our church and make it better. I want to encourage you if you want to give uh, to them. And he didn't ask for this. And we don't normally take up special offerings. But if you want to, you can. And people have already been doing that today. Online, you can give through our app or website, however you want. But as you continue to give, know that we give 10% of our income away. And this is one of our all-the-time partners. So that dormitory, that seminary in Tanzania, you've been helping with for the last few years already. And so I'm honored to go speak on your behalf this September. That's going to be a lot of fun. The president of Tanzania is going to be in that meeting. And so I'll be like, hey, yo, Prez, get your security guard away. I need my own team. Anyway, let's pray. God, what an honor it is to serve your kingdom. What a privilege it is to walk hand in hand with Sam and Joyce and Priority One. What, a, what an honor it is, Lord God, to love you, to live for you to do for you. God, may we spend our lives in the way that Sam has modeled these eight decades. Lord, may we spend our lives at the master's pleasure, living in a way that honors you. God, we want to give generously. We want to serve freely. We thank you, Lord God, for using us for your kingdom come, your will be done in Jesus' name. I believe great days of revival are ahead for the church of Jesus Christ and for the world. Use us and have your way with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I love you, Life Point. Peace out, everybody.